Is this only the first wave of skies? They topple down. Can this get any worse? Catterize my eyes. My legs are freezing up right now and becoming stuck into the skies. I know the sting of its glow. I'm growing paralysed. I can't move my feet. Can't get away from here, feeling that I'm beat. Don't just idolise what arrives. Save me from the fire. I'm running out of time. Get in line. No time to think about this. No. Maybe I'm not the first sacrifice that you supply. Am I nothing to you? So what entails you to do? My head is caving in right now. Keep crushing me down into the skies. I know the sting of its glow. I'm getting petrified. I can't turn away from any cloud I see. I hope for the rain. Don't just idolise what arrives. Save me from the fire. Still running out of time. Toss the dime. Urgency would be appreciated. In my sleep you sang me a lullaby. It's the only reason I'm still alive. Let me burn and I'll see you on the other side. I'll be looking down and watching all of you fry. Maybe I've got a chance to sabotage this design. You won't get your rebirth. My head is catching up right now. I have found you out. I get it all. I know the sting of the how. I've got you cornered now. You won't get away from anything in me. Just hope for the rain. Just idolise what arrives. Save me from the fire. You're running out of time. I got mine and now it feels like I have it. In my sleep you sang me a lullaby. It's the only reason I'm still alive. Let me burn and I'll see you on the other side. I'll be looking down and watching all of you fry. Five minutes past twelve midnight. From Sacramento, the heart of California, and around the world, Genuine Modern Radio. Radio Flom. the infant. He hears sounds, he puts them together and they cohere. Sounds have a romance. The sound of a cricket at night to establish mood in a radio drama. Very simple effect. The sound of thunder, the sound of rain. There is no sound on the moon because it takes air to support it. The vibrations of air create the sound. And radio was a medium which employed that magic. This was a scene from Ken Burns' Empire of the Air, The Men That Made Radio, one of his first documentaries. I'm Steve Mahalo, one of the creators of FLOM, and today we are going to review this program. I'm Devin Parks Cloutier, and I forgot my line. I don't think I gave you a line. Yeah, did you, you did. You said what? something about across the aisle. Oh, you're across the aisle. Okay, so sitting across from me is... Devin Parks Cloutier. So the trick here was we're doing a podcast about radio. We might as well go back and watch a documentary about radio. 
but yeah, if uh, if you didn't see this, uh, basically there's going to be a lot of spoilers. So um, uh, just almost everyone was dead is dead from this thing. So that's a spoiler. Uh, but including Jason Robards, who was announcing it, what did you think of his work? He was fantastic. He just had you know this this deep baritone quality to to his voice that you know I just it made the information so easy to you know absorb. Um, he, he seemed cool. Uh, as one of Ken Burns' things, I remember watching this several years ago, and it was uh, it was one of the first documentaries I saw that was like a real real story yeah. as opposed to just talking heads. Yeah, you know, it's they they really just got into the 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 whole thing where you know people climbing uh, the, the the radio towers and you know the the, the whole history of radio itself, you know, from inception until, you know, where we are today. That's that's what was really cool about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, there, there were the three guys. Of course, they started with Marconi. He discovered the radio waves. And then you had Roy DeForest come in there and start uh, just... He decided he wanted to be uh, the inventor, even though he really wasn't very good at it. Yeah. And he went to school, and everyone called him Monkey Boy. Really? Yeah. yeah. And uh, he was really pissed off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so he um, he grew up really angry. And today he kind of reminded me of uh, Stephen Miller, who's yeah. working with Trump these yeah. days. I can never really see that. And who hates immigrants. So uh, here's a guy who hated, kind of hated everyone and felt he was a genius. Mm-hmm. So he goes off to invent his stuff, and uh, he ends up stealing the ideas from other people. Well, I mean, when you, when you start off being called monkey boy, it's kind of like a, a lost cause already to begin with. Yeah. You know, I think that all of this kind of just, you know, justifies his later successes because, well, I don't know about successes because he, he was still, you know, even later in his life called monkey boy from what the, the documentary went into. Uh, I, I don't remember that part. It, it was it was in the middle-ish. Oh, I, I think I, I went to the restroom. So, yeah, and he was competing with Marconi, and eventually he did bypass Marconi. He did have one great idea, which was the idea of broadcasting entertainment and music to more than one person. Mm-hmm. So it was just not one person on the receiving end, but yeah. you could suddenly tune in and hear that. And I think they did a really good job of yeah. recreating that. Well, I mean, it was like the Spotify of, like, then, you know? Everybody was just kind of being able to listen to, you know... Oh, actually, I guess it would be more like Pandora, really, you know? It was like whatever... Kind of, well, it was whatever he liked, I yeah, think, yeah. was it. Yeah. I mean, that would be cool. It's like you get to customize your own Pandora station for everyone else. You know, you get to kind of take over the room and... Which was kind of radio. Yeah, yeah. Before that was dots and dashes. Yeah. And, that, that's uh, hard to dance to. So somewhere along the way, the person who improved on all this was... Uh, what was his name? Rodney something. Rodney? Yeah, Rodney Armstrong. Yeah, Rodney? Rodney? Rodney. Was it not Rodney? No, it was... Uh, See, I, I took notes. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I guess it wasn't Rodney. So it was Edwin. <laughs> Edwin, yeah. yeah. Edwin, who uh, basically was the genius of this documentary. He came up with all this stuff, but he spent just years fighting uh, DeForest in court. And uh, that was just sort of a pain in the ass. He'd come up with something really inventive, and then boom. And then there's the other guy. Yeah. The other guy who was there broadcasting what about... What was his name again? Um, uh, David. David Sarnoff. David Sarnoff. Yes. Yeah. And what he did was just incredible. Yeah, he was he was really fantastic. I mean, just the, the, the way he... he brought the radio to the masses, you know, it was, it was huge. It was amazing. Tremendous in the words of Trump. He was the guy who heard the uh, Morse code come in on the Titanic sinking. Oh, wow. And, but he didn't know anything about any doors and, and a couple and the guy who drowned. Yeah. That's the, another spoiler. The, the hands on the, the window, you know, with the steamy... Yeah. Uh, he never mentioned that. That didn't come up in the documentary. That would have been... Really interesting to hear the Morse code on that. And Armstrong worked for him, but mm. then it really went sour because of the whole uh, FM deal. Oh. Yeah, I remember that. Um, it was a huge deal when you brought in this whole other set of frequencies and 
And then he showed it to his boss, mm-hmm. and Sarnoff uh, just turned on him because, number one, he didn't want AM to go away because they were selling radio. Right. Yeah, Armstrong decided he couldn't stand the static of AM. In fact, if you listen to AM today, uh, Rush Limbaugh is still static. And that's why he talks so loud. Yeah, he has to yell over the static. Yeah, so Armstrong invents FM, and it's really incredible, and uh, Sarnoff doesn't want it, so he kicks him out. He Teslas him, basically. Yeah, it was, it was like a te- Nicholas Tesla thing. So he leaves in his electric car. <laughs> And uh, they take the space that he had there because they had a better idea. It was called television. So um, he's working on FM. And Sarnoff was known for this. Even outside the documentary, he hated... Yeah, I always wondered why we had 45 records Mm -hmm. with a big hole in the middle of Mm -hmm. them. And it was because RCA was manufacturing record players for 45s. When they actually went to 12 inches, um, he fought the format. He kept 45s on the market, yeah. so people were buying singles. Well, he did the same thing with FM. So Sarnoff actually managed to lobby the government to get all the FM frequencies moved to the television frequencies. Okay. And that's kind of what did Armstrong in. Hmm. So It was horrible what happened to him. He That was that was the smart guy, not the idiot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was yeah, the smart yeah. guy. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's one hell of a tip. I have to be honest with you, I didn't do the homework. This is fascinating, though. I mean, I really, really enjoyed this story. You didn't do the homework? I I couldn't get the the link that you sent me to to work. So we were going to talk about this. Didn't didn't we just talk about it? I I guess. So, So you don't know what happened to Armstrong? No. No. But you're thinking Armstrong and Getty, probably. Yeah, you know, I mean, like, I've I've been listening to Sacramento AM radio for pretty much my entire life. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So, uh, well, something happened to Armstrong. What happened? Uh, I'm not going to tell you. Uh So wait, hold on. I hit it. What? Okay, so it says that Orson Welles broadcasted his adaptation of The War of the Worlds in 1938. Yes. So was that... That was on AM at that time. Right? Yes, everything was AM. Oh, okay. In fact, if you think about FM, FM didn't kick in until like the late 1970s. Oh, okay. That's how long people were addicted so to should, AM. I mean, like then at that point, like when the early, like when the, when color TVs were basically being being introduced, FM was coming into the mainstream. So it was kind of like this full-on communication. Not really. No, FM was ignored. They did a good job of getting people to ignore FM. Okay. And so what happened was Armstrong, all the radios he had built mm-hmm. uh, could not be used. Anyway, so uh, we just reviewed uh, thumbs up or thumbs down. <laughs> I'd say it was a solid thumbs, thumbs up. up. You know, oh, I... I I loved the movie. Just that based I didn't on watch. what you heard. Yeah, based on what I heard, it well, sounds fantastic. What I did mean, you watch? And I, I ended up watching Thor again. Oh, okay. You know the Rock guy is really, really funny. Uh, I, 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 I didn't see Thor. Well, you, you should. Oh. It's really funny. It's like a good intergalactic buddy comedy. <laughs> Genuine Modern Radio. Brought to you by the makers of Carter's Little Liver Pills. That Carter's Little Liver Pills bring added relief by waking up the flow of a very important digestive... I think that punk rock died 20 years ago. All right, and I think that... I think that punk rock in general has just gone away and it's just a regurgitated cartoon of itself. But the last screaming vestige of what punk rock is in theory and concept is what the noise scene is. Because like, you know, like like in general, like back in the day, like people, you didn't want your parents to know you were into punk rock. If your parents knew you were into punk rock, you're gonna be in trouble. But like now, like if you tell your mom you're into punk rock, she's gonna go, that's nice, let's go to the mall, I'll get you a misfit shirt. 
But uh, one thing that did happen during the 60s was some music of an unusual or experimental nature did get recorded and did get released. Now look at who the executives were in those companies at those times. Not hip young guys. These were cigar chomping old guys who looked at the product that came and said, I don't know. Who knows what it is? Record it, stick it out of it, sells, all right. We were better off with those guys than we are now with the supposedly hip young executives, you know, who are making the decisions of what people should see and hear in the marketplace. These, the young guys are more conservative and more dangerous to the art form than the old guys with the cigars ever were. But uh, the, the, the original crew, the original noise, NorCal Noisemith started in 95. It was put on by a small group of people here in Sacramento. It was at the Guild Theater in Oak Park. Uh, we actually went two or three years at the Guild Theater. It was pretty fun. Uh, and it was during the old days of the Guild Theater before they remodeled it to what it is now. And so it was like this really awesome, janky theater with like this scary upstairs that you always thought you were going to fall through the floor. And uh, But it was really fitting for what we did. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, NorCal Noise Fest. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, at NorCal Noise Fest. Uh, you can find us on the web at NorCalNoiseFest.com. All of us. NorCal Noise Fest 2018. That's a good place to start. Yeah, this will be our 22nd. So, uh, how old's this one? It's, uh, this is from 2013. It was the, the 100th anniversary of Luigi Russolo's The Art of Noises. And ah. so we called it A Century of Noise. And that was kind of a, a, an, es an essay, the, the Art of Noises, uh, that became one of the, the fundamental documents of noise that nobody really knows about now or cares much about, but it, it's helped set a pattern in some ways. Well, the futurists are a very interesting group, but everyone tends to walk away from them once they get into um, Mussolini. That happens. <laughs> and and it's, it's very interesting because the fashion industry, Lady Gaga, everyone steals from them. And we're stealing from them too. You could say the same thing about Boyd Rice. Yeah. Noise has been around a while, but it's always been this sort of in the background before pop culture starts to assimilate. And I would say from my point of view, walking into Noise Fest, it, you have to see it to experience it. Or you have to hear it to experience it. You can't really hear it through just audio devices. It's one of those experiences that's best uh, via direct transmission. It's difficult to explain, and that's part of the problem with trying to promote a festival of music that's difficult to explain. So the first question they have is, well, what would you hear on the radio that sounds like Noise Fest? And my standard answer that I think I've mentioned on this podcast before is if you hear something that sounds like the NorCal Noise Fest, odds are your radio is broken. Uh, that's about right. Or you're using a really old radio. Uh, when we started this out, just looking at the history of radio, uh, what blew my mind was... Um, just the three dial uh, devices from the 1920s. If you wanted to pick up a station, you sat there for a while and turned dials until it came in. And even television was like that. You had to get the picture to come in if you wanted your station, move the aerial around and everything. So now we kind of accept everything for granted. So I, I, I see the far extreme as being just sort of uh, auto-tune. <laughs> and then you at the opposite end of things. Well, it's a difference in the accessibility of media, and if you were living in an era when you were largely starved for media or had to create it yourself, yes, there was a certain amount of effort involved with just getting it into your head uh, via, you, you had to build a crystal radio set and then learn how to tune the dials and then maybe you'd get some tinny warbling that you'd hear, uh, but now there's so much media around that you don't really need to make any effort to be inundated with it, and the challenge there is that it's people who actively seek media that's different from the, the stuff that we're drowning in that stumble across things like Noise Fest, and that's where the, the challenge is making the connection between the seekers and the people who are are creating this media and getting them all in the same room. I think one of the things I've I've seen with your approach to things at at the flom thing we put on 
is also just people showing up and going, I've never seen this before, and then really getting into it. And I, I think that's the reason to show up for what you have going on here. That's still my, my, my favorite response to, to Uberkunst is a person who walked into it. It was a, uh, mostly a reggae show at the San Francisco um, Maritime Hall in around 1999 and we were playing an Uberkunst set in the basement and smashing photocopiers and things and this person wandered down what it was mostly like I said pop and reggae and and uh, we told him afterwards he said how can my eyes be seeing this he was just so struck with how discongruous the performance was from everything else that he had seen that day and sort of hidden away in the basement where most people who attended the festival had no idea that that was going on and so what we're trying to do is move the basement up to the, the main level and uh, bring this underground to light which has varying results and sometimes some people they're just gonna see it and be scared away but it's the it's the handful of people who aren't scared away who are intrigued by it that we're hoping to that's draw. the that's the hard part with anything new all this stuff makes it into the mainstream. If you want to see something new, you have to go to places that are not uh, are not well advertised, are not what you're going to see on America's Got Talent. Exactly. <laughs> this is, this is, America has no talent. Uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm throwing some flom philosophy in here too, but that's. That's part of our, our thing is, uh, well, what are you guys doing? Well, we're deliberately not explaining it. And I'm now talking to someone who's really pushing things forward. And uh, sometimes people don't get it. You just have to show up and jump in and enjoy. Essentially, and that's the, that's the challenge, is some people will jump in and they will shriek in agonizing pain and run out. And that's, that's part of it. They, are t they also are participants who run away in fear. And that's what the Dadaists were all about. That's um, Their goal was to get people to leave by the end of the evening. I haven't quite figured out how to do that yet with Flom because then you lose people. and then But then you have to start well, over. It's, it's a fine line because you want people to leave at the end of the evening. What happens is people leave at the beginning <laughs> of the evening and they don't stick around for the rest. So you have to draw them in with something that will hopefully connect with them. and. And then again, you need to connect with the with the the right people. And for most people, most people aren't the right people. And that's it sounds elitist and corny sometimes to say that, but it's really not about elite or otherwise. Uh, it's it's in a lot of ways it's it's an anti-elite because the people who like this tend to <laughs> to uh, be people who spend a lot of time in their own rooms, uh, assuming that nobody else likes this stuff. That, that, that's a big part of the world right now. So who you have coming up? Who's Because what really fascinates me is this takes place in Sacramento, but you get noise... Can we even call them bands? Uh, sure. <laughs> so you, you get yeah, groups and people and from individuals. all over the United States who show up for this. It's a it's a split. We typically uh, a large percentage are from Northern California, just because where we have the connections, both Sacramento and the Bay Area, and then we typically have a contingent from Southern California and from Oregon, and then we have a sort of a third band of people who come from the rest of the country to Sacramento, just because we've been doing it so long. But we have a, a national, if not international, series of connections with performers and people we've interacted with and it's grown and evolved over the years some people come back and back uh, again and again like big city orchestra or some people are, are relatively new uh, like a war hippie who I don't think has played noise fest before some people we get occasionally like crank sturgeon who actually just recently moved to California from the Northeast and he's been a, here a few times and always a, a big hit uh, because his take on noise is, is particularly powerful and he's one of the performers that's really entertaining and engaging to watch. That can be a rare thing. A lot of performers are very used to not performing except in in their basement or in their living room or uh, in front of three people, one of whom is the sound guy and the other person is on the guest list. And so the idea of performing from a large group and kind of having that challenge to entertain uh, sometimes it's lost, sometimes it's not necessary. Some people de-emphasize the visual aspect of their performance in favor of the audio. But other people who are involved are people who consider themselves entertainers and want to put on a show. They want people to have had a good time by the end of the, 
the night, but the people they want to entertain are the people who are into this uh, this sort of uh, disjointed music. And um, sometimes it veers dangerously close to having rhythms or beats or other sort of uh, musical portions of it, and that, that that's part of the experiment is figuring out right where that line is. Sometimes you're going to fall on one side or the other, but uh, it's always a, a, a kind of a challenge when uh, you're sitting through uh, this year 57 performers some you'll like and some you'll won't even if you really like noise you're probably not going to like all of them but there's some that you're going to really like and you have earplugs for that earplugs are free you always <laughs> have ear protection is is highly and strongly recommended but we provide it free just so it's available and it's around we even uh, got to get some uh, earmuffs this year because we usually very often people will bring babies and they can't really they can't really wear a you know stick an earplug in but you can put the earmuffs over so you know we do want to have the encourage the all ages environment. It's kind of one of the sad things about this year is it'll probably be the final one at Cafe Colonial in the Colony because they're planning on closing the month after we hold the festival. Ooh, that's kind of sad news. But they've been a, a great host of the festival for the past six years, and then Friday night at Luna's is a, a, always. A, I think we've been there over a decade now. It's it's far too small for. The, the noise fest, but we go anyhow because we just like shoving ourselves into that tiny room and making lots of noise and shaking the walls. So monthly, you have another noise thing that goes on. The Sacramento uh, Audio Waffle. Yes, yeah, Sunday mornings, and there's waffles, and the waffles are delicious. Yeah, the waffle, uh, It in some ways, it, it started out at very early noise fest. We'd do a Sunday waffle feed. And then in the early 2000s, we sort of split it off into a separate monthly event. And we kind of liked the idea of doing a daytime matinee with uh, with waffles in order to get people there. And you know, so if it was something that was going to be around the brunch slash lunch hour, anyhow, it helps keep them around, and it becomes a gimmick. And uh, we stopped doing it for a while because attendance dropped off. But since we restarted it a year ago, it has really taken off. It's become it it's draws the same number of people that we used to get at Noise Fest ten years ago. It's really surprising how popular the waffles have been, and it's helped maintain the momentum for noise performers throughout the course of the year. Especially because there are, haven't been too many places where where noise could be heard outside of. Uh, relatively small indie venues. So this starts Friday of this week. Or, yeah, Friday, October 5th. And uh, 7 p.m. at Luna's Cafe. It goes Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, uh, mixing between Luna and Cafe Colonial oh. and the Colony. And uh, all the information is where? NorCalNoiseFest.com. That's right. Friday, October 5th is at Luna's Cafe on 16th Street. Then Saturday and Sunday are at Cafe Colonial in the Colony on Stockton Boulevard. It'll alternate between the two venues there. And those uh, shows start at 2 p.m. on Saturday and 3 p.m. on Sunday. And I see here you have liver cancer again. Yes. Liver cancer is a, they're, they're really one of the most intense Northern California performers of, of noise. They're, they're very uh, intense and uh, energetic young men and they uh, like to make very large sounds. The best music, we play it all for you. And now, Human Fluid Rock.
This is Radio Flop. And I see here you have liver cancer again. Yes.
You're listening to Radio Flom. Created by Steve Mallow, Milk Surface, and other jackoffs. Here in my hand is the first radio tube, the miracle seed from which sprang the entire mighty structure of radio and television. Sonar, radar, talking pictures, guided missiles, automation, the electric brain computer, and long-distance telephone communication. It seems that every day there's news about an upcoming movie or show, but deep in the library of Amazon Prime, currently you can find Ken Burns' America, and on episode 7 you can experience the Empire of Air and learn about the first piece of furniture that could talk. This documentary is sort of separated in two halves. The first, about how the technology of radio was founded, and the second, about how it became such a phenomenon in America. Uh, this focuses on the three lives of Lee DeForest, Edwin Howard Armstrong, and David Snaroff. While these three lives were entangled throughout the whole history of radio, Lee DeForest was probably the first and almost the last. And while he might be the most credited, he happens to be the most fraudulent. From his early childhood days, he saw himself as an inventor. He was constantly outcasted, but he never felt self-doubt and constantly pushed himself. And this would be a trait he would exhibit for the rest of his life. Through this documentary, you can follow his path as in 1900s, he improved the radio several times, sometimes not even understanding how he even improved it and his own inventions. And you can also follow the different heartbreaks he's made throughout the years. The most compelling part of his story though is how he constantly battles with Armstrong as the two tried to always outdo each other or either through inventions or lawsuits. Armstrong, however, was everything inventor should be. Um, just right from the get-go as an early child. And because of this, Armstrong understood everything about the inventions that DeForest made, even though DeForest didn't even understand them himself. It was Snarnoff who really saw the genius of Armstrong, who really used that and pushed it forward. He was... And an inventor by any means, but he is the one who, you know, pushed this technology. He's constantly entangled in through this story of, you know, the race to become king of the radio, to become the father of the invention. Though eventually he would try to pursue bigger things and move on to TV and then color television, even saying the way for satellite, he is just as much part of the history of radio as... DeForest and Armstrong. To watch the constant struggle between these three men is fascinating. Radio was just this huge thing. It took off instantly. It was the first way to experience live shoutcasting news, music, you know, in the comfort of your own home. KDKA in the 1920s was the first regular aired broadcast, but it was only that way for a short while. Stations took off instantly. The radio was booming with life. You could turn on the radio and there was always something entertaining. It was producing more content that it could hardly keep up with itself. At one point, someone stuck a microphone outside of a window and just broadcasted the New York sounds. And America loved it. And it was in 1926 that the first radio broadcast network was established. The National Broadcasting Company, or we probably know them as NBC. It was huge, and it continued to grow. Um, you know, just, I mean, look at it today. We still have a radio in every single car. 
This just goes to show, well, even though the radio had the shortest golden age of any other device, it was enough to stick around. So I highly recommend checking out this documentary. Otherwise, how will you ever know about the aphrodisiac powers of implanted goat glands and how it's entangled into the history of radio? The concept borrowed the metaphor of a farmer scattering seeds across a field. Now a single speaker could scatter seeds of information, propaganda, entertainment, political and religious fervor, culture, and even hatred across the land. The farmer's phrase, the new metaphor for radio, the metaphor that changed the nation, was broadcasting. But first of all, make up your mind. Your hearts are open to when you love her by the radio phone. Radio Flom. Coming to you live from Del Paso Boulevard, in a car, right now. This is What the Flom is Happening. October 3rd, 80s night, 9 p.m. Press Club, 2030 P Street, Sacramento. October 5th, NorCal Noise Fest, 7 p.m. Luna's Cafe, 1414 16th Street, Sacramento. Gary Newman's Nightmare, 9 p.m., Bimbo's 365 Club, 1025 Columbus, San Francisco. October 7th, the return of the most open mic in the city, 8 p.m., Soul Collective, 2574 21st Street, Sacramento. October 11th, RC Movie Night, 8 p.m., Beers Books, 915 15th Street, Sacramento. October 13th, L.A. Printers Fair, 10 a.m., International Printers Museum, Los Angeles. Stockton Zine Fest, 2 p.m., 720 East Weber, Stockton. Dave's Pig Roast, 4.30 p.m., Vieira Farms. The Manufactured Self by Denise, 5 p.m., Brickhouse Gallery. October 19th, Zeparella in Auburn, 7 p.m., Oddfellows Hall, Auburn, California. October 20th. Burley Backyard Barbecue, 2 p.m., Burley Beverages. If you have any events that you would like added to the calendar, please get to us at flom.us slash contact, and we will add it to our next event calendar.
From Sacramento, the heart of California, and around the world. This has been Radio Flom. Recorded live before a studio. Contributors this week, in order, were... Cabrino Robinson. Reading lyrics by Chelsea Davis. Steve Mahalo. Devin Parks Cloutier. Larbin Stagen. A clip of Frank Zappa from The Cutting Edge. William Berg. Human Fluid Rot. Liver Cancer. Milk Surface. And... Daniel Mendes. Also featured were... Announcers. Jason Spires. Cliff Allen. And... Audrey Daggett. Radio Flom is produced by... Steve Mahalo. Devin Parks Cloutier. And... Milk Surface. As himself. Theme music by Chelsea Davis. Sound design and engineering by Steve Mahalo. Radio Flom is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 international license. However, recordings of contributors or guests of Radio Flom are still protected under international copyright law. Radio Flom contains works featured for review, opinion, critique, and or artistic transformation, and may contain adult content and nudity. Want to be featured on Radio Flom? Drop us a note at www.flom.us slash contact. Flom is a modern art game app, art history resource, faux historical art movement that uses new media to generate interest in art history and education. Flom is an online connection to art history, music, and beyond through Tumblr, Instagram, and other social medias. We are all Flomists, and you can be too. Donations graciously accepted at patreon.com slash flomus. We are at Flomus on most social medias. Flom is sometimes explained, but usually not. This is Cliff Allen saying thank you for listening, and if you enjoyed this podcast, well, do something about it. This is Radio Flom. We are in need of funding. Please help with whatever you can. Podcasts are not cheap, and neither is my computer-generated British voice. Help make our content better, so you can be more entertained.